Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 17, and tonight's topic is all around the summer. We are in the middle of July, and the summer is going by very fast. So, boys, what have you been up to so far this summer? Well, it's it's been hot, which has been annoying because the humidity is gross, and I don't enjoy sweating this much. Uh, but, you know, I've... Had a good summer so far. Haven't been to the beach as much as I'd like, but uh, been busy with work. Um, you know, and this is kind of one of the things that we hear about in recovery is it's life beyond your wildest dreams. And in the last episode, we kind of we touched on that a little bit, but these things hadn't happened. The last couple of days, I've interviewed for a couple of jobs, uh, and and but both are uh, have, a, have a good possibility of coming through. But you know. For me, it was really interesting just the way I carried myself uh, with, you know, pro- these professionals that I'm really you know, a year ago. And I even said this to the uh, one individual I interviewed with today. I said a year ago, you and I aren't having this conversation because there's no way I would have been able to hold myself with, a, you know, a person of that of their stature. And, and so, yeah, it, it's professionally, it's been really good. Um, and I'm finally getting to you know, tap into a bit of not just potential, but find a passion. And, and that's something that I never had professionally, which has kind of been lacking. And, and, and yeah, but no, I've made some, some time for some personal adventures. Uh, my girlfriend and I got away to uh, Cooperstown, New York for uh, the 4th of July, her birthday. And, you know, I know tonight we're going to talk about, you know, how we're dealing with the summer and, you know, what that's like being sober and, you know, this vacation was, you couldn't have asked for a better sober vacation. She's also in recovery and sober. And we literally spent three days on the top of a hill in a cabin. It's a place called Fieldstone Farms. It's actually a place that my parents found back in the 90s, which, you know, it's one of those things. In today's day and age, anywhere with, you know, you can find anything anywhere with GPS. How they found this place in 95 with a phone book and a map is beyond me. It's four and a half hours away. It's not like, you know, they, it, I, I still, I, I, I ask them all the time, how the hell did you find it? And they, they don't know. So, um, but it was really, really interesting for me because it was also the first time that I've been able to experience moments and extended moments of total peace and serenity. Uh, just sitting out on the porch and just kind of, you know, looking out. Uh, you know, through the hills and up there, there's no light pollution. So when you're under the stars, I mean, you can't even see the the constellations that you normally see, the Big Dipper and all that stuff. You can't see them because there are so many stars. Um, and it's it really has just been, it's it was a really transformative experience for me because um, I I need stimulation. I need a device. I need YouTube or Twitter or uh, a baseball game and. And I didn't need any of that. I was completely content, uh, just her and I, and and we did a puzzle. The, the only real entertainment we had, we watched fireworks on on, uh, on the TV, the little TV that they had. And even that, we watched it for a couple of minutes, and it was like, okay, we'd rather finish the puzzle and spend time reading and just talking. And 
we went on a hike up there and and it really was a tremendous tremendous experience and something that i have definitely built on um but because you know when you, we came back life was still here waiting for us you know all of the things that you know that we left behind um you know it, it was i made a conscious effort you know any anything that i had to do for the podcast i tried to get out before before we went and and yes that we were able to put all our lives on hold for two days three days but when we came back everything was still moving at that pace and it was you know by the end of the week it was interesting because i found myself already forgetting about that trip and, and it really was such a special thing for me and and so it's it's i think if nothing else in in my summer it's 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 been that trip and, and just kind of using it as an anchoring point for my highs and lows like that was a very great that was that was a that was a high high for me um and you know coming down from it it's you know it's it's again it's, it's about finding balance now you know and and so as high as that high was the lows can be just that low and so i i'm i'm just you know trying to work balance into my everyday life and and yeah that's that's been that's been my summer so far thank you for the insight that the summer is hot by the way in the beginning there <laughs> <laughs> i as well uh it's funny we were water is also wet <laughs> We were sharing uh, pictures of our hikes. I had a uh, different type of hike recently. You know, I climbed uh, Mount Washington with my wife and uh, it's like, I don't know, 80 degrees at the bottom and then there's 70 mile per hour winds and wind chill of, I don't even know, maybe like 30 up top. So it's, and then there's this sign that says, this is the most dangerous uh, weather on earth, basically. Many people have died beyond this point. So my wife loves that sign every time we, we go up there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, well, I, I just got back from a vacation and the week before we left, it was just absolute craziness at work. And when I got back, it was craziness, but it is always nice Mount Washington's always a nostalgic place for me. Um, went there a lot as a child and, you know, I tried the best I could to kind of leave work at home and just be present. And it was, it was a really great trip and my family and I enjoyed it and couldn't ask for a better high, like you said. That's great. I'm glad that you guys are both having a great summer. Um, it sounds like it's been quite serene. Uh, with hikes and nature and and some quiet time away from social media and cell phones. Um, Chris, I'm interested to hear a little bit on the difference that it your experience was, you know, going to Mount Washington probably before you got sober and having it, you know, kind of in that uh, lane of experience versus now. Was it was it uh, more personal? Like, did you notice a difference? Well, the first thing I would say is it was ironic because so my daughter the week before and son both got sick. You know, we got the COVID tests, all that, and they didn't have COVID, thank God. I went up there and I was coughing up a storm. I had a really bad uh, cough. My neighbor had it like two weeks. So it was just passing around and I ended up giving it to my mother. But I could tell that my wife was a little uneasy at, at time that I was sick at one point because in the past when I would go on vacations, um, the, the sickness was a little different, obviously. It usually was withdrawal because God knows we can't plan, you know, a week vacation right. away. But 
it only lasted two days. She ended up testing me, which, <laughs> you know, that calmed her down. But to answer your question, Jason, it was, it was different. Um, you know, Mount Washington, I, I got to say, I never really used up there just situationally in timing. But when I used to go on vacations, it was always, you know, using and it was part of it. It was like, oh, that that to me would elevate the experience. And what it actually did was take away from the experience, because number one, I don't remember a lot of it. Number two, I wasn't present. And number three, halfway through the vacation, I would always get sick. You know, it, it was amazing because even going on the hikes, you know, I remember the conversations up the mountain with my wife and we, we talked and we connected. Um, we're doing these fondness and admiration uh, things with our therapist, these uh, exercises, and we actually connected while doing them. Um, we, had a, we actually scheduled a therapy session in Mount Washington just because we wanted to be consistent with it. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Jason, it, it's night and day going on vacation when you're not using to when you're using. I love how you said the, uh, threw in that bit about, uh, therapy on vacation, because we also had a, at a, a small therapy session, uh, while we were up there and, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's just, it's nice to see that, you know, that is a part, it's becoming a part of every, not everyone's life, but you know, there's nothing wrong with, having a bit of therapy, even on vacation, you know, that's, you know, I, I think for me that that's a, a sign that of, of at least growth for me, but it's, you know, you still go through emotions on vacation. You still go through experiences on vacation. So the idea that you would know how to handle them just because you're away from your real life responsibilities is, you know, a, a completely, it's, it's a, it's a false narrative. But, you know, I, I wanted to just touch on what you were saying and what I was kind of, uh, I, I touched on it for a second. It was the nostalgia of going back to a place that you had been before. And, you know, I mentioned Cooperstown was a place I had gone um, a, a lot as a kid. And, you know, for me, that was, that was a time in my life when I was truly happy. Like, you know, genuine, just unadulterated happiness. Uh, with my family, with my extended family, my cousins and aunt and uncle, who I consider, you know, you know, might as well be my immediate family. And, you know, the memories that we created up there, that was something that was lost. And I couldn't re and I never recreated in my own uh, marriage or my, or with my daughters, we had, we we've had memories, but I don't know if it's anything that they would remember, you know, that would have the impact that that trip those trips would have on me. So to go back to that place, you know, kind of coming out of the fog of addiction, I, I think it, for me, it meant, it means uh, uh, so much more. Um, it gave me a really, you know, just a sense of appreciation uh, for that. And, you know, and so it's, but I mean, we've heard quite a bit about our hikes and, and our journeys this summer and Jason, who uh, looks like he's at the beach yet again, what, is, what has your summer consisted of? <laughs> well, um, actually, I am home uh, today uh, for the first time in, in a few weeks, actually. Um, but I, I, my, my summer's been awesome so far. Um, 
you know, my, my father lives down at the beach. And so I spend a lot of, I'm spending a lot of the summer down there and it's a vacation town, you know, and I, I have the opportunity to work during the day and then at night either go walk the dogs on the beach or go play uh, pickleball, which we just learned. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know what that is, but it's like a marriage between tennis and oh, racquetball. I love uh, dude. Oh my gosh, love it is it. so much fun. And and to your point about it being hot, you are sweating out there. Oh my god, like when you're playing singles, it is just crazy the amount of calories that you're burning out there. Um, but you know, the other thing is is that I am, you know, Chris, to your point, I am remembering things. Like I was, I was thinking about this the other day, how I would go to the beach and I was dating someone at the time and we were, we were both drinkers. He not an alcoholic like I am, but I just remember being on the beach and like really making a fool of myself, you know, because I was, I was drunk and, you know, just being not necessarily inappropriate towards other people, but inappropriate to, to the point of embarrassment of, you know, just being sloppy, you know, and, and not really remembering much of my time during the summer. And on top of that, having my addiction be in full swing at this point last time, uh, or last this time last year. And I would be locked up in my house. It, I remember getting texts or talking to my my father or my friends and them saying, oh my God, it's so beautiful outside. And I have all of the windows shut. I have all of the blinds drawn. I'm in the dark house and, you know, just doing my drug of choice and just living in that. And now being out in the sunshine, which is so energizing and refueling for me. Um, but on top of that, I have been going out and doing things. Um, I've been going to barbecues. I've, I signed up for a kickball league again. That's going to kick off in a, in a couple weeks. Um, I'm at the beach all the time. I'm going on vacations. I, I, I'm just enjoying myself, you know, and it's, it's a totally different experience. Um, you know, being on the beach this time last year, I was 30 pounds lighter, but I was sickly looking, you know, but I thought I looked hot. I, I didn't because I have the pictures to compare myself, you know, but now I can go on the beach and even though I'm not at where I want to be, I don't care, you know, because I feel good about myself. I'm sober and I, you know, I, it's, it's something that has just transformed for me. You know, that, that, that it's interesting you talk about that. Yes, you were skinnier and maybe you were, you physically might have looked, you know, better by some metric, but there's a confidence in a genuinely sober individual. And there's a, there's an aura almost uh, about them that it, you just, and I'll speak for myself, just the way I carry myself, you know, I'm, it, it, it feels so much different and, and I'm not second guessing my, my wardrobe choices or, you know, perfect examples today you know, the, the, the job that I had was at the, at my, my place of work and it's, it's a ruthless environment. There is no, no pulling punches. And I, you know, made the decision that I was going to wear my, my velvet 
um, or maybe it's not velvet, velour, uh, car caramel colored sport coat. You have a velour sport coat? I do. Okay, I'm, I just, do. I'm just clarifying. Okay. I th I think it's velour. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's I, I I'm pretty sure it's velour, but it's in the closet. I'll show you later. Um, but you know, it was it's look from from a fashion perspective with a with a navy pair of slacks and a and a and a purple checkered shirt. It was a great look. I looked at the mirror and said, "Damn, all right, I like it." And immediately I thought, "Damn, the guys are gonna rip me up for this one." And I said, who cares? I look good, I feel good, you know, whatever. And guess what? Nobody said shit about my coat. And that's just, you know, it just to be free of those little anxious moments is really just a, it's another blessing of sobriety that I don't think that I necessarily appreciate on a daily basis, but when I have a chance to reflect on it in times like these, it's, uh, it's, it's nice, to, nice to be able to reflect on it. You know, Ben, I applaud you for that. And it just goes to show how much is in our head, in our own head sometimes, you know. Um, something that I did this last weekend is I went out to a club and I went dancing for the first time sober. And let me tell you, it was an experience. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I, I checked in with myself. I made sure that I was, I was um, in a good spot with my sobriety. I was actually going with two other sober people and going to a club with a bunch of drunks running around the dance floor when you're just there to like have fun. I was walking in with this sense of like, oh man, am I going to look stupid dancing sober now? Because I don't really think I've ever danced sober right. and actually being there and thinking, nobody even knows that I'm here because they're all wasted, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it was really an interesting, interesting experience. That's great. We, uh, I think we all, you know, that is amazing. And I have had an amazing summer and I know you guys have too, but it's not always as easy as I think we communicate. Right. Like I know for me, um, going, there's been a couple instances like barbecues and even in Mount Washington, after I hike Mount Washington, I remember the best part about it. Well, the old best part about it was taking a shower and then having a drink on the veranda. So there's this beautiful veranda that overlooks it. And it's not that I did it and got drunk, but it was just part of the ritual. And Part of what I'm working on now with my wife is changing all our rituals, so big and small. Um, you know, I've been to a bunch of barbecues, a bunch of parties, and one thing I've noticed is I go to a lot of like one-year-old, four-year-old, three-year-old, young kid birthday parties. It's amazing how many drunk parents there are at these things. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it really is. I mean, even at parties that start at 11 a.m. And... I'm always sober. My wife's always sober too, but it's amazing how the parents have no idea and definitely aren't present with their children at these parties. And just this whole summer, one thing I've noticed is, although sometimes, you know, I look at it and I do get this sense of FOMA, but on the other end, I leave the party and I know that I was there for my children and had a good time with them. So what are some things that uh, I guess you guys struggle with or, you know, are working through uh, this summer with sober activities? 
Yeah, I mean, that that story hits really close to home because I was never one of those noticeably drunk parents, but I was drunk at every single party for my daughters, pretty much. Um, and again, I a staple of my addiction was making sure that I was not an embarrassment. You know, I, I went to great pains to make sure that I never uh, did anything that would reflect poorly on myself or, you know, my family. And, but I knew the truth. And so for me, looking back at a lot of pictures of, of my daughter's birthdays, um, my oldest was is born in August. And so her birthday was always a, a pool party at, uh, at that, at the house that, that I used to live in, that they, they still live in. And it was, there were pictures of, I, I remember, I remember taking the picture and thinking, man, you're, you're pretty drunk right here. And so now when I see those pictures, it's really disappointing because I don't remember my daughter, you know, going two hands into a cake. You know, I, I don't, I don't remember those things. And it's, 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 uh, it's hard to not beat myself up over it at the same time. I shouldn't say that it, I, there is some regret and some remorse, um, but it's those things that I kind of I take now and I I make sure that that that's one little extra piece of motivation to stay sober so that I don't miss out on those things. And, and like you said, to be present for our kids now is just something that I never appreciated at all. And it can be super small stuff. We go on a lot of hikes um, and they love it. They love it. They my, my youngest has a collection of walking sticks that she's always got to have her walking stick. My oldest has her her own backpack. She's got to have her backpack with the snacks in it. And if we bring the dog, then, you know, some dog toys in it. And and though and just experiencing genuinely enjoying the entire thing, not trying to rush through the hike to get done with the hike so I could get back to what I was doing before, even if it wasn't drinking, just to not be so consumed with with myself is just been a really, really great thing. But again, it is one of the things we talk, you know, yeah, Chris asked us about what do we what do we struggle with? You know, there are just still so many things of my personality that still exist. I give you a little idea of that. You know, it's, it's been um, an interesting time with with my girlfriend in terms of our communication, because, you know, coming out of a, a marriage where I did not communicate whatsoever, I've, I've attempted, I've made, I've made great attempts to try to communicate and I'm still finding that my methods of communicating are not as effective as I would like. And to the point where, you know, uh, my girlfriend wrote a note, just kind of getting all her feelings out on paper. And when I read it, it literally could have been written by my ex-wife. And it was such a, like the substance of it was really kind of like, I'm not even going to defend myself in any of these things because these are all things that she could have said, that my ex-wife could have said. And it was just like, holy crap, you're still that guy. And I didn't know it. I'm not trying to be that guy. In fact, I'm trying to be the opposite of that guy. And I'm still not being as effective as I would like. And I'm still not, you know, causing my loved ones I don't want to say pain, but I'm I'm still putting them through some sort of turmoil. And so for me, like that's one of the things that just 
the the behaviors I find will never leave. You know, they just won't leave whether it's that or whether it's when we were done with, we were working on the puzzle up in Cooperstown and I literally just, we were, it was perfect. And I literally thought, man, a beer would be nice. And I got into a funk for about two hours because I was pretty pissed. Cause I was like, are you kidding? Like, like this is what you need. You need, you need, your brain thinks you need a beer to make this a better experience. You've already said a billion times that this experience was, you know, hands down one of the best vacations you've ever had. In what way could alcohol improve this experience? And so it was, it was just an interesting time for me to kind of realize that this thing is insidious. It does not leave. No day, listen, no days off in the gym. Addiction takes no days off and it can hit you at any time. And as we've talked about before, I wasn't in control of that first thought. I, and my second thought wasn't even the best one because it, I sent myself into a little bit of a funk and just a little bit of a pity party. But the third thought and the fourth thought were pulling myself out of that. And, and making that, a, a, you know, and sharing it with other people and making it a learning experience for myself. So, yeah, it's in short, those are some of the things that I'm struggling with this summer. It's interesting you say that, Ben. You know, I found myself having those thoughts, too. You know, walking down the street in a beach town, seeing a certain sign or smelling a certain smell and thinking to myself, man, this type of beer would pair really well with this experience right now. The thing is, though, is that it didn't become a craving, you know, because the the whole process of craving and obsession has really, truly been lifted for me. And I'm not beating myself up for it. You know, we're alcoholics. We're drug addicts. We're going to think about alcohol and drugs. That's who we are. And I love that you, you know, took those, that one, you took the right action, right? You did not do it. You did something else. Um, and then you started thinking of other things of how to pull yourself out of that funk. And I tell my sponsors this all the time. You know, if, if you don't think about drugs and alcohol, when you're a drug addict and an alcoholic, there's something wrong with you. They're natural thoughts. They're natural thoughts. So don't beat yourself up for it. It's when they become that obsession. I, I had a, a sponsee early on in his, uh, earlier on in his sobriety, before he finished his steps, where he was at dinner and there were a bunch of margaritas around and he just fixated on the margarita and was explicitly describing every single bit of it. And I said, now that is the obsession talking. That's your disease trying to get you back into the game. But now he has a thought and he lets it go because that's what happens sometimes. Um, Chris, I want to touch a little bit about FOMO when, when you were kind of talking about that. Um, that fear of missing out has been something that I think I've been actively trying to avoid this summer. So I am sometimes overbooking myself a little bit to, you know, be at parties, be at barbecues, be at the beach, go on different things and be different places. Um, but it's naturally been happening because I've built such a strong fellowship and a strong community of people that when a bunch of sober people get together, they actually show up, you know, and they actually do things instead of just being stuck in a bar for a couple hours or, or whatever we were, we used to do. Um, so that's been, that's been really fun. And just to see some of the people in my life struggling, um, 
fortunately, summer this summer has not been uh, difficult for me. Um, but I am seeing a lot of people around me struggle with this summer. Um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, getting back into uh, society, things starting to show up. Like you were saying, I, I hear them say it's that FOMO, it's that fear of missing out. And just not being able to get back into a rhythm of, of sobriety. And it's, it's hard because I'm setting up these boundaries in my life where I will not let them get anywhere close to impacting my own sobriety. So I'm starting to put boundaries up around people that I was previously hanging out with and texting on a regular basis. And I'm not doing that anymore because I won't let them get that close to my sobriety. I'm what, two, two weeks, 15, 16, uh, less than 15 days, days. 13 days, 12 12 days for you. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Ben. I'm not that great at math and (laughs) 12 days from my year, you know, Ben, you're 13 days. There's no chance I'm going to let someone get close to ruining that, you know, and, and I know that if I let those thoughts and if I let and it's not like they're doing it maliciously, you know, but that's how my disease acts. They see someone else, my disease sees someone else doing it and wants to do it too. And I'm not going to let that happen. You know, this is the most amount of sobriety that I've ever had. And my life has become so great over the last year. There's not a chance that I'm going to let that get ruined. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm almost at eight months, I think it is. And that's why I'm building these new experiences. And that's why, you know, we're building these new rituals because I I want to reference these new rituals in the future and not my old rituals. I mean, just in the next month, I'm going to the Van Gogh experience, uh, which is like a immersive experience. Uh, like I said, I went to Mount Washington. We're going to the Crayola fact. I'm almost overbooking myself because I don't even have time to, you know, do this housework that I want. We're going to Disney. I signed my daughter up for swim class, but kind of like you said, we're overbooking ourselves, but it doesn't seem overwhelming because we're able to be present and, you know, we're just there. We're experiencing it. It's not overwhelming. You know, like Ben, you were saying, I'm not trying to rush home just to do whatever selfish activity that I was trying to do. So I think it's a lot easier. It is a lot easier now that we're uh, sober and clean. Yeah. And I mean, you say that you're doing all those things aren't overwhelming and yeah, they're not overwhelming when we're not also trying to manage addiction. You know, that literally was a full-time job for me. And, you know, the, you know, Jason, what, you know, you, you guys have been talking about, you know, this FOMO and, you know, for me, I've, I've experienced it in, uh, in relations to baseball games and one, one positive and, and one not negative, but so, uh, uh, my, my daughters met, um, my, my girlfriend for the, for the first time, uh, last week, uh, yeah, I think this last week and, um, my ex-wife had met her and, and we, went to a minor league baseball game and 
you know, it was a big deal because, you know, it was my daughters meeting, you know, the first significant other of their parents that wasn't their parent. And, and it wasn't until like a day or two later that I realized I didn't think about alcohol at all. I didn't, and that was something that I'd, I always would do. You know, I did it at my brother's wedding, looking at what this person's drinking. I didn't, not when we were at the concession stand, not when we were sitting in the seats, not when, at no point did I look, did, did, did the alcohol ever enter my mind and, and, and did I, you know, look and say, man, it'd be nice to enjoy a beer because there was literally nothing better than that. The four of them, you know, getting along and, and the, it had, we had a great time and the, the girls really enjoyed it. And, and so to be completely present in that moment was a tremendous thing. And I didn't experience the FOMO there, but, and not, I haven't experienced the FOMO yet because it's something that hasn't happened, but I'm going to, um, I'm taking my girlfriend to a, uh, a Met game in August. And one of the ways I would always go, go to the Met game was the uh, NJ Transit to Penn Station and then the LIRR to City Field. And I thought to myself, should I get the parking pass or should, should we just take the trains in? And I said parking pass because with the trains, it was a ritual. Get to Penn Station, two beers in a bag, pound one first, then you have the second for the train because nobody cares about them on, on the LIRR. So you were at least, you know, two pounders deep by the time you got to the stadium. And I literally, you know, organized my travel plan around making sure that I wasn't going to be on those trains. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I look at it as it's also not the most expedient way for us to get to and from the, the ballpark. And you know, that really is more of a motivating factor than being exposed to alcohol because I've, you know, and my sponsors, you know, made it quite clear that I'm, we, we shouldn't be hiding ourselves or I shouldn't be hiding myself from it. Um, but, you know, it was something that entered my mind as, um, as one of the reasons why I didn't want to take NJ Transit and the LIRR. I mean, I don't even mind the, the you know, it's funny. I used to really enjoy the smell of Penn Station, which is a really weird thing to say because Penn Station is a horrendous smell. But I but I knew, I knew that the smell of Penn Station meant that I was just a couple of minutes away from, from pounders in a brown bag. Whether I was going to a Billy Joel concert or a Met game, I knew that stepping off that train and being in the big city, I was, I was that close to alcohol that that it was, hey, we're in New York. It's an experience. I I could drink unadulterated and not and 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 not feel shame or guilt or remorse. And you know, I've I haven't been back since. I haven't been you know to the to Penn Station so since uh, I've been in sobriety. Um, but I have a feeling that I'm not going to enjoy the sense quite as much, especially if I go in the summertime, which I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid that. But I have a feeling I'm not going to enjoy it as much this time around, but hopefully for whatever reason I'm there, I'm able to stay present for that and not the thought about of beers in a brown bag. Yeah, Penn Station's uh, not the best smell. In fact, recently there was like four or five feet of water in the subway and people were wading through just this fermented gross water to get on and off the train, which I don't know 
If you see four feet of water, how do you actually then continue down the, into the subway? New Yorkers have determination. I know, I know. So when we actually talked about this episode about uh, summer sobriety, my thought was we were going to really talk about, I guess, ways to protect our sobriety during summertime activities. So, you know, Jason, you said you, not that you have have had an easy summer, but that you've been doing well this summer. So what are some ways that you've been protecting your sobriety at these events? That's a, that's a great question. You know, the first thing I'll say is to go back to Ben's comment is I don't hide from events with alcohol. I don't try and run away from it for one reason is that it's everywhere. You know, just like you said, if it's at a two-year-old's birthday party, it's going to be at the beach, you know, so there's not a, a way for me to never be around it. I mean, even with TV, social media, radio stations, it's always around us. So I, I completely agree with Ben that there's no way that we can run from it. So with that in mind, and first I had to accept that, you know, I, I had to say that I'm not going to be able to get away from this. So then my next step is how do I deal with it when it shows up? The first thing I do is always check in with where my sobriety's at in that day, in that hour. And I told the guys that I was with at the beach, you know, one, if I feel any type of way, if I feel squirrely, if I don't feel like, you know, I, I can go out to this club tonight, I'm not doing it. So real quick, for the listeners, how do you check in? I want just to try to expand on that. Yeah, sure. Sure. So what I do is I just ask myself, you know, did I do everything that I possibly could to live this, to work the steps for myself up to this point in my day? Am I feeling hungry? Am I angry? Do I, am I harboring any resentments? Am I tired? Because tiredness really messes with my emotional state. And if my emotional state is off, then I'm that much closer to a drink if I if it's put in front of me. Um, am I pissed off at somebody or something? Because for me, resentment's another big thing. Um, am I going to this place? And we'll just say it was this club, right? It was this club this weekend. Am I going to this club for the right reasons? Am I going because I want to taste a little bit of that crazy alcoholic night? Or am I going because I want to go have fun and I want to see people I haven't seen in a year and a half and I want to dance? You know, I had to check my motives and, and that's me checking in. You know, really, if, if I should be there or not, and, and only I can say that. And it's easy for me to lie to myself, but I have to go back to, I am willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober. So if I check in with myself, and even if I'm off a little bit, it's not worth going to a bar, going to a club, going to a wedding, going to a party, going to a barbecue. It's not worth it if I'm going to get fucked up. So I always check my motives to see how I'm feeling in that moment. You know, sometimes that, you know, I love that you said that because sometimes it's about saying no to things that we would not have said no to before. And it's about saying no to people that we, you know, 
for me, you know, maybe you would hurt their feelings or you feel like you're going to hurt their feelings. If I, you know, I told this person I was going to go to this club with them and, and being honest with yourself and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, that acronym, you know, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, it, it's, you know, am I any of those things? Cause it's those, when those things are off that, that would, that puts like, like you said, me in an emotional state of, of danger. I have to be selfish in my sobriety. Yep. So to your point, I'm not caring for a little bit. If people get upset with me, if I'm not coming to their party, if I'm not going to their barbecue or their wedding or the class reunion or whatever it is, I'd rather deal with that on the other end, sober, right. than have to deal with a relapse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely it, it, selfish in our own sobriety because, you know, for for me, if my recovery doesn't come first, everything else isn't going to come at all. Um, but, you know, to Chris's question, you know, what are we doing to kind of protect ourselves? You know, I'll be honest, this podcast is is help. It helps me. Because, you know, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, tonight felt like a night that, ah, dude, you know, well, I wish I could have just stayed on the couch. But anytime that's happened, and it's happened, we've got 17 episodes, it's happened a couple of times. It's, I've always walked away after we're done recording feeling better. Because this is an hour, hour and a half, two hours of us just connecting, sharing our experience, strength, and hope with each other. Um, and then if it gets out to the mass is great. But, you know, for this period of time, this is the four of us reconnecting. And, you know, when we talk about our, you know, the scheduling and the editing and the, the posts and all this stuff, you know, those are little tiny bits of responsibility that I have to you guys, to, to the project that we, we embarked on. And ultimately to myself, because this is something that, helps my sobriety. So yeah, it's, it's, it, there, there's a lot of ways that we can protect ourselves, And, and I think it's, you know, important that, you know, even if we don't recognize it at the time, we're not going, mean, I don't come into this podcast thinking, ah, here's my way to protect myself. It's just the thing that does help me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, lately I've noticed, you know, I remember Victor saying, you know, he's the biggest people pleaser. And I see that in myself a lot too. It's very hard for me to say no to events and, uh, you know, going to this, going to that, going to checking in with this friend, going, and my mom even says it all the time. She's like, do you guys ever stop? And I remember last week I told my wife, I was like, we're going to Long Island for a third weekend. I, I was like, I might have to just not do that. And Initially, her reaction was, you know, a little upset. You're not coming to my friend's house. But I just need to sometimes, like you said, be a little selfish when I feel myself just getting overwhelmed. And work right now is very overwhelming. Uh, I shouldn't even say overwhelming. It's busy. It's exciting. But it's, uh, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot different than last year, I'll say. Because I think because this year I care. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like you said, Jason, I have to check my daily emotions. And that's something that I'm currently working on is checking in with myself. Am I feeling, like you said, overwhelmed, angry, too happy? What are my motives for going to this or that? Is it an ego thing? 
And, uh, you know, that's just a, a daily growth process that we're all going through. Yeah, too happy is another one. It's it's not just when it's not when the weight of the world's on our shoulders that you know we turn to recovery to find balance. For me, that that and I've said this from the beginning, whether or not I've practiced it as much as I've talked about it is a completely different story. But you know, when when I am riding those highs, it is it's, I don't want to bring myself down from them. I just have to recognize that this is a temporary thing. This, this feeling of elation will not last, whatever it is. And at some point, something will bring it down. And so it's not waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's just being cognizant that if the other shoe does drop, I'm going to be okay. And I, whatever it is, I don't have to drink over it. It's, it's interesting you both comment on that because I remember early on, I think it was right after Memorial Day, I had these plans to go do something and and I forget what exactly it was, but I got this shot of adrenaline in my mouth and I could taste the adrenaline in my mouth. And it reminded me of when I was about to go score some drugs where I was on my way to my dealer's house and I would taste the adrenaline in my mouth. And that made me check myself real quick. I, I, I think I was either going to the beach or I was going out to dinner. Something happened and I had to call my sponsor. And it was because I was so excited to do this that I had the same experience of when I was going to meet my dealer. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's so true that it's not just about the quote unquote negative emotions. Um, but I think it all boils down to that honesty of, you know, checking in with oneself. Well, boys, I think that we're off to a great start this summer. I hope that it continues uh, the adventures, you know, day by day, week by week. Um, really fun episode tonight. And as always, this episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night. Have a good one. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.